The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. John Harper terrorized his neighbors on Dictionary Hill. He hurled curses, threw stones, drove cars off the road until one day a resident took matters and a pistol into their own hands. Would a jury believe that Harper, who some called the town bully, had it coming? Hi, I'm Vinny Politan, and on this week's Court TV podcast, we're taking a deep dive into this case with an audio edition of our original series, Someone They Knew with Tamron Hall. This week's episode is titled Bad Neighbor. This is the Court TV Podcast. Spring Valley in the mid-1990s was a working-class neighborhood. Not a lot going on there. And along comes John Harper Jr. He was someone who did terrorize the neighborhood. A car in the hands of John Harper is potentially a lethal weapon. He'd tailgate people and he'd engage in a lot of menacing activities. A lot of the neighbors felt helpless that they couldn't do anything about it. They wanted the sheriffs to do something. They didn't do anything. Danny had had enough. He'd had enough. By the fall of 1995, the quiet town of Spring Valley, California, had turned into a powder keg ready to explode. For the past several years, the neighbors in this sleepy enclave have had to deal with the erratic and dangerous behavior of one of its residents. The escalating situation ultimately led to a violent encounter on the morning of January 28th. It raised a serious question about where the line is drawn between self-defense and murder. Spring Valley is much more rural than urban downtown San Diego. Things are more spread out. John Harper Jr. was someone who was living with his parents in Spring Valley and was not really a very welcome presence in the neighborhood. John Harper would be defined differently by different people. Obviously, if you talk to John Harper's family, I'm sure he was appreciated and, and loved. If you talk to the members of the community in Spring Valley, pretty much uh, I'd say they thought he was a monster. John Harper Jr. was a ne'er-do-well, and John Harper Jr. was a jerk. He was someone who, uh, who did terrorize the neighborhood, uh, didn't contribute much to society, other than the fact that he took very good care of his parents. There were allegations that he was a methamphetamine user. He was apparently harassing neighbors. John Harper had a reputation of terrorizing people in Spring Valley. According to some of the residents, he basically uses his car as something of a weapon. He would get in his car and follow people really closely at a relatively high rate of speed. He'd tailgate people and he'd engage in a lot of menacing activities. A lot of police reports about the, the bullying tactics that John Harper would do. People in the community felt very intimidated by him. Come on. It's difficult to get, get inside the psyche of, of somebody uh, like John Harper, but 
by all appearances, uh, this was obviously a very unhappy person and did have a lot of anger issues, a, a lot of rage issues. Now, now what the source of the, the anger and the rage is, is, is hard to determine, but it was he was certainly acting out in a way that was very threatening to the Spring Valley community. He had 11 pages of priors, two being a felony and several misdemeanors. He had even been in a juvenile facility. The neighborhood response to John Harper Jr. was that of fear and dismay that this was uh, someone who lived in their community and who was tormenting them. I think a lot of the neighbors felt helpless that they couldn't do anything about it. Danny Palm had 29 years of military service, and he had retired from the military, and he and his wife had bought their dream home in Spring Valley. Danny Palm and the neighbors had a meeting with the sheriffs and talked about uh, Mr. Harper and what he was doing. They were afraid of him. They wanted the sheriffs to do something, and they didn't do anything. Danny Palm was an organizer. He, he really took the bull by the horn, so to speak. He just wanted to make his neighborhood safe. Danny Palm believed in order, and he believed in rules. And Danny Palm's first recourse was the rule of law. He went to the authorities, because that's what you're supposed to do. Danny Palm met with the police, and the sheriff's department passed him off to CHP. CHP said, no, it's not our jurisdiction. Eventually, Dan Palm was working with a, an organization called Safe Streets Now. And the organizer of that group had asked Dan to be one of the leaders of the neighborhood organization that was trying to document what John Harper Jr was up to. Dan Palm had notes that contained 150 incidents and 42 different victims of transgressions that John Harper Jr. had had done. There was at least one attempt to speak with the parents to communicate to them what was going on, but they were not getting any sort of a response to their complaints. In essence, Dan Palm was doing everything that he'd been asked to do in regard to trying to get a handle on the John Harper Jr. situation. You have this threat, and the system can't take care of it. And so what transpired pits our, our legal system against this notion of vigilante justice. On November 28, 1995, Danny Palm pulled up next to John Harper Jr and pulled the trigger and shot him right between the eyes. Danny Palm then took his gun, shot him seven more times, reloaded, and emptied the magazine in John Harper Jr. He shot at him 13 times. Eight of the shots went through his back. It was very scary because he was yelling. He had his fist in the air. I just couldn't figure out what I had done to make him so angry. There was a lot of tension built up between John Harper and, and Danny Palm. Law enforcement wasn't there to see it. As a retired commander, Danny Palm lived life by the book, following every rule and guideline that was consistent with being both an officer and a gentleman in the United States Navy. So it was startling to the people of Spring Valley when he was arrested for shooting his neighbor, John Harper Jr., to death. It was even more surprising 
that Palm shot the unarmed Harper 13 times, hitting him with a total of nine bullets. While the neighbors might have been shocked by the killing, few of them were surprised it happened. The community at large was fearful of John Harper. It seems as though people were describing their lives as, as being threatened by some kind of terrorist. So this was not something that was just in the mind of Danny Palm. In a sense, I mean, Danny Palm was represented the collective view of that neighborhood. John Harper Jr. had a car, an El Camino, that he would use to basically tailgate other people and in some cases run other cars off the road in the neighborhood. John Harper and Danny Palm had different run-ins. And, and most of these run-ins in, involved activity on the, on the roads of Spring Valley, where John Harper was known to basically as, use his car as a weapon. Danny Palm actually grew fearful of encounters with John Harper. There was a lot of tension built up between John Harper and, and Danny Palm. Law enforcement wasn't there to see it. They really didn't feel as though there was a lot they could do. There was an incident where uh, Melody Hurt and her daughter were in the car, and she claimed that John Harper Jr. ran her off the road. My daughter was at a cheer camp that day, and I was asked by her cheer coach if I would run to a store and pick up some red pom-poms for the cheer socks. Traffic was really bad, so I decided to take a shortcut, which was Helix Street. And that's when the incident occurred on our way back to the cheer camp. There was no ramp up of John Harper Jr.'s activity. I think that he was consistently being a jerk to all the neighbors. I was just driving and this uh, car pulled up very close to me and was revving its engine. Come on. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is a very curvy street and he's in a hurry. So I got to a place where I could pull over so he could pass me. And he didn't. He just pulled up behind me and revved his engine again. It was very scary, because he was yelling. He had his fist in the air, yelling something at me. I didn't cut him off. I didn't turn in front of him. I just couldn't figure out what I had done to make him so angry. The roads out there in East County are two-lane roads, and they can be curvy. Driving fast there is actually very dangerous and scared Melody tremendously. He was right behind me. I got to a, a curve in the road where I really had to slow down because it's a very winding road and it actually has a steep drop off on the right. I slowed down and he bumped my bumper. My daughter had gotten pretty sick when he came up onto my side of the car and she was screaming, very upset. She was crying and I said, just get down on the floor because I thought he might have a gun. I sped up as fast as I could on this curvy road, and I pulled into a person's driveway. I leaned on my horn, nobody came out, at which point my daughter turned around and looked out the window, and she goes, Mama, he's gone. And I went, oh, thank, thank goodness. And, and as I pulled out of the driveway, there he was, waiting for me. I was driving beyond the speed limit, for sure, and I could see uh, just down the hill, there's this three-way stop. And I just ran the stop, and then as soon as I got to the bottom of the hill, there's an elementary school I pulled into. There were a couple of custodians outside, so then he left. John Harper would 
really walk the line in terms of committing any criminal act until with Melody, he was driving recklessly and dangerously and threatening her. After the Melody Hurt incident, John Harper Jr. was arrested and charged. He was arrested for reckless driving and assault with a deadly weapon. His attorney had it reduced to a reckless driving. The day that John Harper came to the courthouse, when he walked out of the elevator, he went like that to me. There were comments that were made by John Harper Jr., one of which had been heard by a detective, which was to the extent of, I know that the neighborhood did this to me. If they think I was bad before, wait till they see me now. John Harper is furious because he was brought to trial, and uh, John Harper was determined to retaliate against people who testified against him. And one very important person was Danny Palm, who testified against him. The residents of Spring Valley had to endure John Harper Jr.'s menacing behavior for years. And much of the suffering they endured was due in part to what they called the lack of response by law enforcement. That is, until Harper tried to run Melody Hurt and her daughter off the road. Now that Harper has been arrested and charged for his dangerous antics, there's a real chance the people of the neighborhood will finally get some peace through the justice system. A lot of times people in the general public don't want to testify at trial against a defendant that they see as somebody who is dangerous or menacing. And they're fearful that, quite frankly, that defendant you know, might come after them. Regardless, in the trial of um, what John Harper did to Melody Hurt, Danny Palm testified. And he knew that he was putting himself at some risk. Nobody thinks that John Harper Jr. was a Boy Scout. As community members, Danny Palm and the rest of the community did what they were supposed to do. They organized groups, they did community watch, they contacted the sheriff's department and so forth, and that's all they could do. Now, did that end the problem? And the answer is no. Danny Palm testified as to what was happening in his own neighborhood, and I was told this had been going on for a very long time. John Harper is furious because he was brought to trial, had to defend himself, and uh, John Harper, according to reports, was determined to uh, retaliate against people who testified against him. Danny Palm and his wife, Carol, were sitting on a seat outside the courthouse, and Harper had the desire to taunt people, and he had then blown a kiss at him. John Harper Jr. appeared to not have any remorse for what he was doing and for the fact that his actions had resulted in a court case. The jury hung on that, and those are very hard cases to prove. Melody Hurt and her daughter were not hurt, and there was just not enough evidence to prove that he was guilty of that crime. I believe either he had got a reckless driving with a minimal fine, he got virtually no penalty on it, and essentially thumbed his nose at everybody after that. There was fear. There was fear that he'd come after me. When John Harper Jr. was released after his court hearing, given a fine, the neighborhood heard about this and knew that he was coming back and had heard about comments that he'd made and that he was angry. 
On November 28, 1995, John Harper Jr. went out, bought a milkshake and some french fries, and drove up to outside, right outside Danny Palm's house. His wife, Carol Palm, saw John Harper Jr. outside, and they were very concerned. There was no reason at all why John Harper would have been by the house, and no reason why he would have sat in front of the house. So Danny does grab his gun because he's afraid. John Harper Jr. then drove down the road. Dan Palm's response was to get in his own car with a loaded gun and essentially follow John Harper down the road. John Harper comes to a stop, and uh, Danny Palm stops behind him. John Harper apparently waves to Danny Palm to pass him. Well, Danny Palm does not see this wave as a friendly gesture. Danny Palm sees this wave as, OK, Danny Palm, you get in front of me. I, John Harper, am now going to tailgate and terrorize you. Danny Palm makes a critical decision at this moment. Danny Palm decides to pull up to the car. He shows the gun to John Harper. He loads the gun. He makes it clear. John Harper, by all accounts, is not intimidated. And that's where Dan Palm says, John Harper Jr. said, your family is good as dead. You and your family are as good as dead. It appears that that was a snapping point for Dan Palm. Mr. Harper then somehow releases the brake, car rolls down the hill, veers to the right, ends up hitting a tree. Mr. Palm follows the car down, gets out of the vehicle. Dan Palm proceeded to shoot 13 total rounds, nine of which entered John Harper Jr.'s body. And that included Dan Palm reloading in the middle of shooting. After the crime, Danny Palm took the gun and a live round in a magazine, he hit him in an open field next to his house, went home. His friend called him and said, what are all these helicopters doing here? And Danny Palm acted like he had no idea what was going on. I, I just think Danny had had enough. He'd had enough. If you were honestly acting in self-defense, or you really felt you were justified, you would own up to it, and he would have called the police himself, but he tried to cover it up afterwards. He was being charged with murder. But perfect self-defense is when you're acting to protect yourself or someone else in a reasonable manner, considering the circumstances and considering what you did. Imperfect self-defense is that you had a reasonable belief in that you were helping someone, but you did it in an unreasonable manner, and that's imperfect. Danny's attorney questioned me. He said, do you think Harper would have hurt you if he would have found you? And I said, yes, Danny Palm may have been my savior. John Harper Jr. was still slumped over the right-hand side of his car, and the defendant walked up that window and fired one, two, three, four, five, six times into John Harper Jr. On that sixth shot, the slide was locked back. When John Harper Jr. died in a hail of gunfire on the morning of January 28, 1995, few of the residents of Spring Valley mourned his loss. It will be up to prosecutor Blaine Bowman to convince a jury of 12 people to ignore the years of John Harper's menacing behavior. For the state, the core issue is that no person has the right to take the law into their own hands, regardless of the circumstances.
Ladies and gentlemen, on November 28, 1995, just after 11 o'clock in the morning, a single shot rang out in a Spring Valley neighborhood. That shot was fired by this weapon right here. This is a 45 caliber semi-automatic firearm. When that shot was fired from this weapon, it was fired by the defendant, Danny Palm. It was fired at the, the victim, John Harper Jr. While John Harper Jr. sat in his car, unarmed, with his door closed, with his seatbelt securely fastened, Danny Palm, ladies and gentlemen, fired that shot at John Harper Jr. while John Harper Jr. was drinking a milkshake. There was not a lot of public support for this prosecution, especially in the Dictionary Hill area. You know, and I got emails, I got nasty phone messages from people around the community saying, why are you prosecuting this guy? He should get a medal for what he did. John Harper Jr. was still slumped over the right-hand side of his car, and the defendant walked up to that window and fired one, two, three, four, five, six times into John Harper Jr. On that sixth shot, the slide was locked back. At that point, the defendant took the magazine out of his gun, got his second loaded magazine. It was filled with seven rounds, put him in that gun, released the slide, and continuing firing, continued firing to the lifeless John Harper Jr. Six more shots this man fired to John Harper Jr. as he sat in his car. Most of those wounds, ladies and gentlemen, entered the back of John Harper Jr. I understand that people were upset about it, but you can't kill somebody because they were menacing the neighborhood and terrorizing the neighborhood. You can't kill them. The conclusion of this trial, I'm going to ask you to return a verdict. I'm going to ask you to return a verdict not because of who Danny Palm is, or because you don't like John Harper Jr., I'll be asking you, ladies and gentlemen, to return a verdict based on what Danny Palm did on November 28th. And I will ask you to return a verdict of guilty of first-degree murder. There was a lot of public support for Dan Palm before his court case. There was definitely a feeling that this was someone who stood up to a bully and was defending a neighborhood and did not deserve a lengthy sentence for what he'd done. Dan Palm pulled the trigger of the gun that killed John Harper. There's no dispute about that. The question is why. My strategy was to put on all the evidence that I could concerning the behavior of John Harper. In other words, almost putting John Harper on trial to show that he was the bad guy. He was the cause of his own death. Dan Palm did pull that trigger, but he did it out of fear for his life. And more importantly, out of fear for the lives of his family. Dan Palm's actions were self-protective, a self-defense action. This was never a case about self-defense in my mind. Danny Palm was the one who took that loaded gun and chased him down the hill. The law is clear in California, an aggressor cannot claim self-defense. You're gonna hear that when he showed Harper the gun, he didn't wanna kill him. When he pulled the trigger, 
his family's safety was more important to Dan Palm than Harper was. His only focus was on his family and their safety. John Harper did things so often that it angered people, but put them in fear of him. And that fear was real. I saw a vehicle coming towards me, and um, the vehicle proceeded to come head on towards my girlfriend's mother's car. She was the driver, I was the passenger. He turned away about maybe 50 feet away from the vehicle. And who did you recognize that vehicle belonging to? John Harper Jr. John Harper Jr. pulled up alongside my vehicle as we were driving down together, and he motioned to me in a, like a hand rolling to roll my window down, and I presumed I had some problem with the car. So I rolled my window down, at which point he, he came to a stop, and I stopped, and he said, you don't scare me, even if you are a deputy sheriff. I know where you live. I can burn your house down. Did you take that threat seriously? Yes, sir. Dan Palm had notes that contained 150 incidents and 42 different victims of transgressions that John Harper Jr. had done in Spring Valley. He let the speed build up to about 25 and slammed on his brakes. I in turn slammed on my brakes to avoid hitting him if he would reverse his truck again. A car in the hands of John Harper is, is a potentially a lethal weapon, and he was using it to intimidate people. Was kind of swinging the hammer, trying to intimidate me, and at that point I realized talking wasn't going to help, and I turned around to walk away, and as I walked away, he said, yeah, you get out of here, and he swung the hammer and hit me in the, uh, in the butt in the rear. He was really agitated, and he went on with some obscenities and profanities. And, and I, says, I said, why are you doing this? He was incoherent. He said that I was bothering him. He says, I'm going to hurt your family. And at that time, he came with his hand. It scared me. I went back, and he put a cigarette out on, on my T-shirt. I was really shook up. So I went right down, and, and I called the uh, sheriff's department. We showed every event that happened and what led to it and why you had to fear John Harper. I tried to point the gun in Harper's direction and I really couldn't. I, uh, my hand was shaking violently. My arm was shaking violently. It was my intention to tell him to get out of the neighborhood and don't come back. I never got those words out. In a case like this, where the argument is self-defense, it is critical to hear from the defendant. There's no question that on the morning of January 28, 1995, retired Navy Commander Danny Palm shot an unarmed John Harper Jr. on the streets of Spring Valley. Now a jury of his peers will hear his explanation for why he did what he did. And I thought he was gone, and then my daughter screamed, Mom, he's right behind us again. Okay. Where was your daughter sitting at this time? She was sitting in the front seat next to me in the passenger seat. You say she screamed. I mean... And she was frightened. There was an incident involving Melody Hurt and her daughter in a car where they claimed John Harper Jr. ran her off the road. And the evidence was such that my office, the DA's office, charged John Harper Jr. with assault with a deadly weapon. And you arrested him for a 245, correct? Correct. What's a 245? Assault with a deadly 
uh, object. And in this case, the object was a vehicle? Correct. Did you tell Dan Palm upon Mr. Harper's release from custody around July 1st, 1995, that he had threatened his neighbors? Well, the statement, the way it came out was, as he was leaving, just it mentioned something that he would get even, that's all. There's nothing as far as what a statement or anything other than he would get even. When you received the threat from Mr. Harper, so you were, you were also afraid for the safety of the public? Yes, sir. And that fear had increased from the threat? Yes, sir. In the Danny Palm case, law enforcement's hands were tied. They wished that they, they could do more. Where, yes, you can get a restraining order, but the person doesn't care about their restraining order. So there's no question this is a gap in the law. All right, sir, you can stand right there and raise your right hand and be sworn. Our society has a great deal of difficulty dealing with renegade personalities like John Harper. Maybe they don't get caught. Maybe the law doesn't hold them accountable. Detective Green called me to inform me that Harper Jr. had made a threat to him while he was being released on bail. He told me that John Harper Jr. had stated, quote, I know my neighbors have done this to me, and if they think it was bad before, just wait till they see me now, unquote. And Detective Green stated the threat was a serious threat, that there was no remorse or uh, reconsideration of behavior as a result of uh, interaction with the authorities. And it told me that this person was not a normal person. Did you feel he was terrorizing the neighborhood? He was. On the morning of the 28th, who did you get the phone call from? Louis Such. He is a neighbor. When you heard him say the guy in the silver El Camino was coming up, what did you think? I was frightened. I was terrified. John Hopper drives his vehicle up Dictionary Hill and approaches Danny Palm's house sits outside the house with this car, and at that point in time, Mrs. Palm says to Danny, hey, he's outside the house. Well, it was clear now that he knew where I lived and where my family lived, and uh, this was the first time that I was aware of that. As soon as I uh, had the gun in my hand and the clips in my other hand, my wife yelled down from upstairs, he's out front. How did she sound? Frightened. John Harper Jr. drove down the road. Dan Palm's response was to get in his own car with a loaded gun and follow John Harper down the road. You drove down and you described that you rolled down your window and you're now uh, adjacent to him. Tell us what, what you did next. He had an angry look on his face as I pulled up. I tried to point the gun in Harper's direction, and I really couldn't. I, uh, my hand was shaking violently. My arm was shaking violently. It was my intention to tell him to get out of the neighborhood and don't come back. I never got those words out. Was something said to you? Yes, it was. What was said? He looked at me uh, again angrily with, uh, one in, with one eye squinting, kind of, and said, you and your family are good as dead. You see the car rolling down the hill. What are you thinking at that point in time? My, my first thought was, maybe he's going to leave now. Then what happens? The Silver El Camino started rolling faster. 
and uh, before too much distance, the right side wheels of the car jumped the uh, right curb of the street. Or the... I think the fear in Danny Palm was so great at that time that he actually opened fire on John Harper. And as, as we know, he struck John Harper and killed him with one shot. We know that that one shot alone may have given rise to a self-defense defense, defense uh, in trial. But we also know that Danny Palm fired 12 more shots. And so that is the definition of overkill. What's the next thing you recalled? I think I remember standing behind the car with the gun in my hand. You remember shooting? Not really. You remember reloading? Not really. Blaine Bowman was a uh, well-polished district attorney. And Blaine Bowman went for the jugular, and Blaine Bowman hit the jugular. Mr. Palm, when you shot John Harper Jr., in your own mind, did you feel he uh, got what he deserved? No, I didn't. Why not? I wasn't thinking when I shot John Harper Jr. You don't know what you were thinking about? No. My theory going into the trial was that Danny Palm was obsessed with John Harper Jr. He kept meticulous notes about all of his activities. He had binoculars, he had a telephoto lens where he took pictures from his house. He was obsessed with it and wrote down every single thing John Harper Jr. did. You picked up the gun, put the clip in, immediately charged it, right? It was all essentially one action. What did John Harper Jr. say when you tried to point the gun at him, when your hand was shaking? He said, you and your family are good as dead. How'd that make you feel? <laughs> Terrified. Did it make you mad? No, I wasn't mad. Not at all? No. What'd you do next? I blanked out. Now, what was John Harper Jr. doing right before you blanked out? I, it was the instant he finished that sentence, I blanked out. I don't know what he was doing. Mr. Palm said he blacked out or blanked out at that time. And therefore, what happened was Mr. Palm saw what he did, realized it, and then adrenaline or some other effect on him took place, and he just let loose everything. Now, Mr. Palm, let me ask you this. How did your finger get from there, where it is now, to over here, where the trigger is? I don't know. It didn't happen while I was conscious. When I blanked out, that had to have happened for me to have shot John Hart. So you don't know why you shot him, is that what you're saying? That's, that's correct. I do not remember thinking about firing that weapon. And if you don't remember thinking about firing that weapon, then you can't tell this jury here why you shot him, is that right? It's important to know that Dan Palm reloaded his gun because Dan Palm's defense was that he had blacked out, that he didn't know what he was doing. But that's hard to defend when you remember to reload your gun. Jury could have done anything. If they believed in jury nullification, and they thought Danny Palm was a great guy, and they didn't like John Harper Jr., they could have come back not guilty. But I can say unequivocally that what I'm about to do, I have never done. <laughs>
The German poet George Buckner once observed that murder begins where self-defense ends. The jury has heard all of the evidence in the trial of Danny Palm for the murder of John Harper Jr. They will soon have to decide whether Palm's actions crossed the line. Thank you very much, Your Honor. You and your family are good as dead. A direct threat to anyone. A direct threat to anyone's person, to the ones they love most. So how does one react to that? How would you, how would anyone react to that? Oh, it's okay? Go kill me? No. We react appropriately. We defend. That's what we do. The immediate community in Spring Valley was horrified and extremely upset that Dan Palm had done this. And I think more so, they were upset that Dan Palm was now under arrest than they were that John Harper Jr. was no longer alive. You know, some people might think that following someone down the hill makes one an aggressor. Danny Palm followed John Harper down the hill. But he did so to protect his family and his neighbors. That is uncontroverted. It grew to become a big story locally and nationally. And I think there really was a debate that began to occur about whether or not Dan Palm was a hero or a vigilante. And in this case, what John Harper Jr. did was push Danny Palm mentally over the edge. His system was working in such a level that after all the frustration, all the fear, all the emotion, everything from Spring Valley built and built and built. When the last words were said, he blacked out. He blacked out. He became unconscious. <clears throat> Dan Palm, you're a good man. Dan Palm, yeah, you were pushed. You were pushed through no fault of your own. Dan Palm, you're not guilty. Thank you. I did feel good about the imperfect self-defense, but I was scared because the prosecution, Mr. Bowman is a very good lawyer, and his, his argument was pretty compelling. What did I tell you three weeks ago when I first stood up here? I told you that you probably won't like John Harper Jr., and I have a feeling that I'm probably right. You don't like what he did. So I'd ask that you think of two things. First, what if the roles were reversed? What if John Harper Jr. killed Danny Palm? Would there be any doubt in your mind this is a first-degree murder? Absolutely not. Yes, the defendant was in the Navy for 29 years, very honorable. Yes, he was an upstanding citizen. We're not here to judge Mr. Palm as a person. We have all these jury instructions, which the judge just read to you. Did you ever hear Judge Mudd tell you, if you find Danny Palm is a good person, you were to find him not guilty? No. Did you hear Judge Mudd tell you, if you find that John Harper Jr. was a jerk, Danny Palm is not guilty? No. I've tried over 100 cases to jury, and there has never 
a single time that I felt comfortable when that case goes back to the jury. Of course, this was no different. I was scared, you know, that they could come back with a murder conviction. I didn't think first degree, but I mean, at least a second degree murder. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Juror number seven, I understand that you've reached verdicts. We, the jury, in the above entitled cause, find the defendant, Danny James Palm, not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187, as charged in count one of the information, and fix the degree thereof as murder in the first degree. Same title, court and cause, we, the jury, in the above entitled cause, find the defendant, Danny James Palm, guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187, as charged in count one of the information, and fix the degree thereof as murder in the second degree. Jury could have done anything. If they believed in jury nullification, and they thought Danny Palm was a great guy, and they didn't like John Harper Jr., they could have come back not guilty. If they followed the law, which they did, I knew that the right verdict would come out. I felt so bad for Mr. Palm and Mrs. Palm. You know, I, I did not believe they des he deserved what he got. I did not believe he deserved a second degree murder conviction. Okay, let's go. Dan Palm's initial sentence was 15 years plus the possibility of a gun charge being tacked on. What happened after that was fairly unprecedented. The judge in the case, Judge Mudd, was petitioned and heard the case again, even though a jury had decided that verdict. John Harper Jr. was a ne'er-do-well who frankly was unilaterally terrorizing a community of this county. He was running completely rod-shod and there is overwhelming, conclusive, unrebutted evidence to establish that. And Mr. Harper was a victim who set this all in motion himself. I can say unequivocally that what I'm about to do, I have never done, ever. But I am absolutely convinced, based on a complete and thorough and total review of the facts and the law, and the person that is Mr. Palm, that a sentence of 15 years to life plus the use of a gun, and in our state, that is a lifetime sentence now, would constitute cruel and unusual punishment. Judge Mudd decided that the verdict had been too great. So Judge Mudd reduced it to manslaughter and Dan Palm was given 10 years after having served about a year and a half. I would say to him, thank you for getting involved. Thank you for doing the right thing. Thank you for making the people in your neighborhood matter. I don't condone killing, but I do believe that if law enforcement had done their job, that situation would have never happened. Maybe John Harper could have gotten help and Danny Palm could have lived a better life. There's a lot of people who think vigilante justice is okay. The law disagrees. And uh, you can't go out and kill a person in the street because you don't like them or because you think they deserve it. So I was worried that people might put themselves in Danny Palm's shoes. I was mostly worried about the jurors. And fortunately, they didn't do that because the law does not allow it. 
After serving nine years of a 10-year sentence, Danny Palm was released from prison in 2004 and now lives a quiet life with his wife. I'm Tamron Hall. Thank you for watching Someone They Knew. There you have it, another deep dive into a truly fascinating case. If you want to see more episodes of Someone They Knew with Tamron Hall, they're available to stream for free on our website. Just check the show notes for a link. And you can see me every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern on Closing Arguments and on Court TV's all-new original true crime series, Accomplice to Murder, with new episodes premiering every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you all so much for downloading. And as always, please don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.